Welcome to the DNA Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Pugh, and join with me is my wonderful, my immaculate, my amazing, my impeccable. Uh, I need a new word, David. What can I add for you? Asshole. <laughs> uh, my asshole co-host, David Perry. Thank you for being on the show today. <laughs> oh, thanks for having uh, me again. Uh, joining us today uh, to talk about uh, the world of future of gaming, metaverse, and VR in general are my wonderful friends who have been on the show before, uh, the Classic Gaming Brothers, Seth and Zach. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm glad three out of the four of us are surviving winter uh, and all that it brings <laughs> yeah. to New England. Uh, Mr. David Perry apparently is getting like nothing over there. Um, uh my people are not built for uh, cold climates. <laughs> Isn't that like all that like West Virginia is? It's just like the mountains. Don't you guys get like all that stuff? I remember playing Oregon Trail and every time we go near West Virginia, the Appalachian Trail, it, there was lots of snow. There can be lots of snow, yes. <laughs> it's also really hot. We have mudslides and wildfires and all that other stuff too. So That's I learned anything from Oregon Trail. You also have a lot of dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or rattlesnake bite you can or always rattlesnake bite there is a there is a game that's actually based off of uh a town in west virginia uh silent hill is yeah uh, yeah, yeah there's right. a what's the and, name uh, of that town and fallout 76 uh that's true was in west virginia was it the over by the greenbrier do you, did you ever have you played 76 i played it a little bit i not very in-depth and i bought it at release and it was buggy mm -hmm. and they had some problems and then i stopped playing it and then they fixed a lot of the problems and i just haven't gone back okay i was but, just um, curious yeah, yeah but there are some some uh some landmarks from west virginia where i live in huntington there's a place called camden park and uh and some of the camden park architecture is in the game uh oh. the, the greenbrier hotel uh in white sulfur springs uh, there was a bomb shelter actually the congressional bomb shelter is built there you can oh, tour it now uh, it was built underneath this resort um and mothman is probably the most famous uh, the west virginia cryptids uh, up yes. in parkersburg that's... so uh, i think all that appeared in some form in fallout 76 that's that's awesome i remember when fallout 3 came out i because i live where i lived in virginia we would go to dc all the time as school trips like i went to dc in there and i was looking around to see where the locations of stuff and i was like no that's not right this museum is actually over on this side they have it on the wrong side of the i was like no that's not but i'm like whatever it's a game it's like when fallout 4 came out um and you could explore boston at the, like i was oh working God, in boston yes. when i was playing it at one point and i was like i could find my office <laughs> i was like i was like that office right there that's mine there's a dead guy in front of it <laughs> that could be me how how uh inaccurate was where the uh what was the the Oh my God! Uh, this this is how you know I'm not a sports guy. So uh, go sports team. The the was it Wrigley? Oh, uh, uh, Fenway. Field. Yeah, Fenway. Oh, yeah, Fenway. Fenway. Yeah, uh, it's like fairly accurate to where it should be, uh, okay. but it's like the, the the scale's all off. It's oh, like, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about Fallout tonight. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us for the show. Uh, actually, uh, you guys were back on the show. Oh my gosh, this was back in. The early days. Yes, the, the, the <laughs> early, early days of the show. You guys yeah, are now, yeah, right. you've been around for over two years now? 20, yeah. So um, we started in uh, December of 2019, um, yeah. and we just uh, just recorded our 114th 
episode i don't know it's, yeah. it's we're at the point where we just kind of lose track of what we've done but that's awesome um and yeah so were... solid two years worth of classic gaming brothers that's awesome and you were engaged you're now married i am now married you... yes, <laughs> yes. So, i've gotten married congratulations um, uh, a lot of what fun. other what other things have you gentlemen been up to uh, we did attend a video game convention. I guess that's kind of like the thing that we've been up to that's relevant. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, we attended um, a video game in a video game convention in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, called Retro World Expo, uh, where there was actually like Metal Jesus and the video game historian were there as guests. Uh, there was a lot of vent. It's definitely more of a I would say more of a trade show or an expo versus like a like a, a PAX event. Mm. You're not going to see necessarily a lot of new games there, but there's a lot of vendors where if you collect like retro video games, um, there's a lot of good vendors there that you can pick up some stuff. Nice. Uh, Zach, I, Zach and I, we, we talked about it at some point in time and where um, if you're looking for something specific, Retro World Expo is a good place to go to. If you want something specific at a good price, maybe not. But yeah, um, <laughs> but you will find it. But if you wanted like I like an Atari Lynx or um a what was it the uh, the Sega Pico the Pico if, yeah, yeah yeah if you wanted something like that where it's a something little more obscure, obscure yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. you could you'll find it uh you'll pay for it though that's yeah. for sure like so, they know I, what the value of stuff yeah is. i saw like three magnavox odysseys which is the first video game system there i mean they're all at price uh, they're like 400 500 right. a pop but that's the most i've ever seen in one place is three that's magnavox awesome. odysseys in one place yeah. probably so, so i i guarantee you like every video game console was available to purchase somewhere nice. except for, for maybe yeah. the ps5 yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, so are most of the games there, most of the products that people are selling, are they, are they consoles from, you know, ColecoVision on up or are there P PC games or computer or like TRS-80 type games too? So it's primarily uh, your Nintendo and your cartridge base, like Super Nintendo, Nintendo Entertainment System, Sega Genesis type yeah. of sales. That I would say is probably 70% of the bulk. Um with like some N64. Uh, PC big box games, I think I saw... So that's one thing that I look for to buy, 10 um, available, uh, and they're going to fetch a premium. So it's primarily more of that. Um, I, I would say like the more mainstream retro collector is what it was, uh, yeah. at least from what I saw. Um, there were people who just brought their stuff. Like they were like, I'm just bringing like a yard sale. And they did have an auction system as well. And we didn't, poke around the auction a lot because there were uh some crazy it was like stuff that was just going to go for a price that we weren't going to even get close to paying so um, it, there there's an end point for all of this for mm -hmm. all of that because now you don't you don't get a game anymore right right you, you go and, and you buy a card and it has a download code or right. like to, to get fallout 76 when i bought fallout 76 it comes in a package yeah right but you open it up and there's a cardboard yeah. disc inside that says here here's your code there's no physical game in it yeah 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 so so that's that's where we're going now right so at at some point there's an end date when when your device even took a, a disc now it's all downloaded right right and, and i think there's so there is a there is a, a a resurgent of nostalgic collectors because we're at the point in time in our in 
the world where the people who grew up playing Nintendo Entertainment Systems, SNES, Sega Genesis are all adults now, right? And with disposable income. With disposable yeah, income yeah. and the desire to buy the things that they did not have as a child because their parents wouldn't allow them to. And so there, those people are out there building up collections. Uh, there are also, there's a, like a resurgence of the, the same era of people being like, I could make my own Nintendo game. So we've seen like homebrew scenes where people have released brand new Nintendo Entertainment, Sega Genesis, uh, SNES games, like released 2022, 2021, um, where some of them program on a like a rom based system and they flash the rom to the yeah, cartridge yeah. and some actually program in like 6502 assembly language which is how the original nintendo was programmed in so it's kind of um cool seeing that mind you it's a, a it's a small niche of the okay. gaming population i i would say most gamers today may not even n- really pay attention to that and and do just consume digitally um where but there is that niche i mean we fall in that niche because we 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 run a podcast about classic gaming so like it's kind of like where we live 100 yeah. percent of the time but 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 my eye see and what your eyes see are entirely different things that's well would you see foresee as as kids growing up today uh you know mm-hmm. my grandkids are are 12 13 14 years old it, when they get to a certain age, would you foresee like a collector's edition releasing a CD or releasing something that is physical and tangible? Just as there's this resurgence of vinyl, right? yeah, you go, absolutely. You, you go to the you go to you go to the, the store now. You go to Walmart or you go to a big box store. Vinyl sales are exceeding CD sales because everyone else is consuming MP3s or downloads through Apple or through Spotify or, or some other service. Yeah. I mean, do you foresee that happening? That's already happening. There's a company called Limited Run Productions that does that. So it takes on uh, digital. Okay. uh, Yes, (laughs) they 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 do. uh, They take uh, either digital stuff that's only available digitally on like Switch, and they make physical releases of it. Uh, They or they take um, new games. So like they just did uh, like a Zombies Ate My Neighbors. You guys remember that game? Oh my god! Uh, So they did that, and they were releasing. So you could buy the SNES SNES cartridge or the Sega Genesis cartridge of zombies ate my neighbors today being made i, I think it's still being made because they're, it's yeah it's, they, it's a it's a brand new cartridge they're not it's not like they're taking old stock and repurposing it brand new like fresh chips uh, on a fresh board um sold legally licensed they got the permission from the company that made the game so they're they're 100 legit um they do that with uh a Mega Man game, Mega Man The Wily Wars, which originally came out in the Sega Genesis limited run just released, uh, kind of a similar thing. But I think to your point, you do have kind of, <clears throat> you do have some kind of growing market of uh, younger and younger audiences to these type of things because uh, you do have people out there that are on YouTube or podcasts and stuff that are appealing to audiences that are, uh, you know, people younger than me who who are getting into game collecting um i see that a lot when you're watching youtube videos of people like uh metal jesus we referenced earlier i mean his crowd it's a combination of people that are like seth and my age but also there's kind of a younger crowd there that is kind of growing into an interest in collecting um a, a memory i had recently i was at a savers and i saw a kid who probably was like had to be maybe like 10 years younger than me 
excited to find big box games out of savers and these were like games that he definitely wasn't alive when they came out but he was like big box games he was like that's awesome and you know you could tell he was kind of getting into that uh mindset of collecting which you know that's nice to see i like to see you know uh it's good to see that collecting still is kind of a thing for people of all generations Right. Well, and you know, and then to play those games, you have to have a drive. You have to either have an optical drive or an old three and a half or a five and yeah, a quarter inch yeah. drive. My ATX case over here, there, there's no, there's no drive bay in the right. front. Yeah. Yeah. Right. M- but, much less I, an IDE controller. Right. And, and I think there is a, there is a departure between those who um, primarily collect consoles and console gaming and those who um, do like PC gaming. So like I'm primarily a PC gamer and I don't own a lot of physical copies of things uh it's mostly attached to my digital libraries which i've been a member of for 12 13 years i've been you know amassing these digital libraries and i i feel like as we i but there's kind of there's still that like nostalgic factor of having your like snes and your cartridge and the way that you can play it in like the living room with if you're especially if you have a child and you were a retro collector or are a retro collector or still have your SNES and you introduce your child to playing it then, then they're going to have positive memories of that older game system. And I think they would impart those memories down. I, I do think eventually that I don't. So the one thing is it kind of like goes back to like your, the vinyl comment and like, you know, there's not a lot of people out there that collect like eight track, but um, it was still a, a medium that was used for audio s- songs. However, I feel like vi- so like vinyl, you get a different sound than yes. if you played it as an MP3. Yes. Um, like that's a, a definite fact. But there's not much different if you collect like a cassette tape or a CD-ROM versus what it's okay. digitally. So is there really a need to collect banks of CDs or cassette tapes anymore? Maybe not. I mean, maybe for somebody. But video games can be limited to play so if you want to play that specific experience you need to collect that particular cartridge or find it digitally as a rom so if you wanted to play paperboy in its original release you you would need to either get it on the cartridge or play it in some sort of rom state which because they're not going to make a well i don't maybe but they're not going to like remaster or re-release the paperboy in its current state um but so i feel like that's going to lead people to want to collect especially bigger names like the snes and your nes and your game boys um are people going to go out there and collect their atari lynxes or magnavox odysseys no maybe not but except for those like really like niche collectors as it were now do you see do you see kind of speculation among collectors or is it just people who want to play something from their childhood or do you see people thinking i'm gonna buy this and then i'm gonna sit on it yeah five ten years or whatever so there's been this huge trend now with uh grading video games um specifically there's been a couple of companies that are involved in the grading process um one kind of got into some controversy with some potential allegations that they are not up to par which is a uh, wada games um and uh, what you see is you you have these 
uh, it's almost like a game collecting bubble where if you look at the price trends from the past five years, there's this massive spike right around the time WADA came onto the scene with their, with their grading process. Um, and whether or not that's going to help the community in the long run is that's certainly a debate, um, potentially for a whole other uh, DNA episode, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it there certainly is speculation. Uh, one of the problems is that a lot of these grading companies, um, not to not to from what I've heard, because I don't want to obviously state anything that I believe is fact. If there's any, you know, I want to hold myself liable here. <laughs> but um, from from what I have heard, some of these grading companies don't release population reports, which is really crucial when you have a grading okay. company. So what you might have is like a company might say, hey, we have this graded copy of this Atari game. We're going to auction it for $500,000. The moment they put that up to auction, a thousand copies of that game might just suddenly right. surface because everyone thinks it's worth that much money because they're not doing population reports. So they are creating the value. Um, and that's where you can get speculation kind of come in. Um, and and there's certainly people who are just kind of like buying games now to just sit on them. I've heard stories of people who send hundred games off to get graded. They'll get them all in their nice little boxes and they'll just put them away in storage and like let them sit and uh, and they'll put them in auction if that that comes to the point. So and, so there's a part there's a population of people who is investing in that game, correct? Whatever it is that the the Super Mario Brothers from whatever. Yeah. And then but then there are also people like for instance, I know I jokingly mentioned the gold box D and D games. If I just want to play Gold Box Pool of Radiance right. or you know Death Knights of Kran or one of those, I can just go to an emulator and and play yeah. it that way. Is is yep. so you have both of those people in this in this population who go to this event? Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it oh, was, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive mixture. I mean, I I saw graded games by Wada at the event we were at next to copies of games that were just kind of like sitting there for you to grab if you wanted to. Uh so there's kind of uh it's one of those situations where I think it, uh, as with any collecting community, um, there are so many kind of like subgroups of people who collect. Like, for okay. example, I, I like collecting bootleg games. That's my thing. Uh, it's just like, that's been the thing that I like doing. Um, it, it, even in my sphere, there's people who like only collect certain type of bootleg games versus okay. other types. And, and some like, other game collectors actually frown on bootleg game collectors. They think it's like this dirty thing because you're buying games that are not licensed sort of deal. But I just think they're fun. I think they're funny. So that's why I buy them. Uh, so that's where you get those conflicts. But most of the time, it's mostly just people on the internet yelling at each other. Uh, at these conventions, you don't well, That's really what the internet that. is now, right? Yeah. Right. At, these, at these conventions, you don't really get arguments like that spring up. You kind of just get everyone kind of in one place experiencing it for themselves. So let me ask you guys this, since uh, lovely chan tangent, by the way, uh, <laughs> since we're talking about cons, um, I'm actually taking my wife to her first con, uh, hopefully, oh, if I'm, I'm looking at uh, going to the 90s con in oh, yeah. Hartford. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, just to give you an idea, the 90s generation or 80s babies are so fixated on 1990s, they're actually having a convention in Hartford, Connecticut. Sure. Yeah, my uh, so sister wanted to go. Uh, well, it's March 11th to the 13th. So I think tickets are still going on for it and everything. So um, Melissa Joan Hart, they're going to have like the Spice Girls outfits there and everything. 
like that. That's awesome. Um, but <clears throat> we did not come to talk about the 90s con, nor did we talk. We Well, we did came to come talk about gaming. And it's always fun to talk about the retro side. But the reason I brought you guys on, because I you are my retro gamers. You are. And David, you were there. <laughs> no. I mean, I was what you mean by <laughs> retro. <laughs> no, but the way that technology is evolving and what we came to talk on tonight was the VR gaming, the metaverse and the future of gaming and how we see this going, because Oculus is the is one of those headsets out there right now. Steam has one. I think Microsoft is coming out with one. Yeah. Sony has one that connects to their PlayStations. There's all these virtual reality gaming systems out there. Um, and looking at how that affects overall gaming versus gaming that you guys idolize so much. Like, I, I think there will eventually be a day where you have an episode if you guys continue your podcast where you're like, remember the very first <laughs> VR game that, yeah. you know, or you or not even VR game, but like, hey, remember playing uh, Resident Evil 4 on Oculus Quest 2? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that'll, that'll be an episode for you guys eventually. But it's, it's, I'm curious to see what your guys' perspective, how you feel technology is evolving in the gaming world. Um, so let's, let's look at this. Let's, let's, let's break this down into pieces here. Um, if we look at gaming systems from when you went from, uh, let's say, Nintendo and Sega, SNES, uh, or sorry, say, uh, the Super Nintendo to N64, the time frame in between those consoles was dramatic. There was a larger gap in between them versus now when you look at, say, Xbox 360 to Xbox One to Xbox X to now we have the Xbox series in case in point with the PlayStations one through five, like it's, it's so much more aggressive. Um, let's start with that. How do you guys perceive that and looking in the future of gaming? How does that, what do you think is, is, is happening here and what's going to happen? I actually, um, <laughs> I think it's, it's funny that you, you talk about the, the, like kind of like the, Genesis to the N64 gap. Yeah. Um, I was reading a 1998 Electronic Gaming Monthly magazine. It had an article about the N64 coming out, an article about the Sega channel that was available to be able to like play Sega games on your TV, an article about the Virtual Boy, and like oh some God, other like all these different like intersections of all these different uh time periods um yeah. all in one magazine because it was all kind of happening at once because i i think at the end of the day companies always want to make another system because they want to convert people to another purchase right. especially because video game systems have always been uh, a bigger purchase as well um, and it's a gateway to a marketplace, right? At the end of the day, if you buy a PlayStation 5, you're going to need PlayStation 5 video games. And PlayStation's going to take a percentage of every video game that you buy on their system because they need to license the technology to make it and so on and so forth. So, And then they want to hype up the next system. Uh, now we're in a fun zone where there's supply chain constrictions, so they're not able to get the PlayStation 5 deployed to everybody, right? Because people still don't have it who want it. And it's been out for 
two years now yeah two, yeah two two years, years? yeah two years and somebody who still wants it can't get it like that's playstation can't in good conscience make any moves to move to a new system until it's been in the market for a while we actually were just talking about the game boy recently and they talked to the vp of marketing at nintendo in 94 so in 98 uh game boy uh moved on to the game boy color right uh before that, it was from 1989 to 98 was just the uh, Game Boy yeah. and really? all the other yeah. like iterations wow. of the Game Boy, I like Game Boy Light, Game Boy uh, yeah. uh, Pocket, but still the Game Boy at yeah. the end of the day. They asked him in 1994, they said, hey, Nintendo, uh, other companies have made a color portable console. Uh, when are you going to make a, po- a color portable console? And they said, well, when the Game Boy stops selling so well, yeah. <laughs> why bother, right? It's still selling so successfully. Why bother changing it? So I think in the, uh, a, a roundabout way of answering your, uh, your question, I think that um, we're, we're going to see like the, the changes. I think there is going to be a pause between what the current generation is out in 2022 mm. to whatever the next generation is going to be out strictly due to the pandemic pushing everything out yeah um that was that's interesting i was going to ask that how do you think the pandemic affected technology 100 100 is delayed whatever plans they've had um there's probably delayed um especially on the hardware side it's delayed a lot of the hardware releases right semiconductor shortage and semiconductor shortages i for they can't experiment with new stuff if they can't even get it in-house um and i also feel like there is some level of social responsibility that a company needs to have where they like release something to 50 percent of the population that wants it and then say just kidding we're going to do a new one like we there would people be up in arms you know if they made like a playstation 6 during this time like it'd be like <laughs> oh, oh there is a plan two, three years. oh sure there's a there's always a plan like there they're beholden to shareholders and they need to make money so there is always a plan um and i think with the kind of like the layering of vr to that it's another marketplace and another place that you can consume their products through um vr so um you meant so like valve uh, has the index htc has the vive uh, Facebook now it's, I think a meta it's called like meta it's, the, the, the third one's going to be the meta. Yeah. 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 So they've disbranded Oculus and it's now just meta go forward. Um, and I, I have, I, I have like opinions on <laughs> Facebook and meta and all that crap. And I've been like, <laughs> thinking, I've been like, before you on it for a while, I, I, I will say this. It's a genius market because it's an unlimited market. It, there's it's you have an infinite amount of space as long as you have the server storage so i feel that a lot of things happen because silicon valley decides that they're going to happen and then the media gets hyped onto it mm-hmm. so like silicon valley's like we're going to make digital currency and the media is like digital currency what is that and then people <laughs> start buying into digital currency adding value to digital currency mm-hmm. even though it's inherently Same- worthless <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, bingo. Yeah, no. I think the one of the best points um, is our best examples is the Google 
glass or like the, the yeah the google glass that they had back <laughs> oh my the god era. i remember like, that yeah everyone was so hyped for it this idea that you could wear like a hud on your on your glasses and you would be the coolest person i knew one person in my entire sphere of influence that ever had their hands on a google glass is because his company gave it to him like for free <laughs> like they're just like we don't want this <laughs> and they gave it to him and that was 10 years like after it was a thing <laughs> like they just had them still wow. uh, like it, it completely it, what happened was google announced this thing and then like the the media hyped it up so much to the point that when it was released you had this expectation bubble that popped basically mm -hmm. once people realized what they were getting it was not really ended up being worth it i think the thing with the metaverse at least looking at kind of facebook's idea and and i think one example i think of when i think of metaverse is specifically that like tech demo that they showed of a walmart of someone like in a vr setting walking through a walmart vr wise like picking stuff off the virtual shelf i think that's a very fascinating idea very interesting idea but the problem with vr is it's currently not at a price point where that will be worth it to anybody because anyone who could afford a vr is either not shopping at walmart or will just go to walmart like they don't need to virtually vr through walmart whereas if they made a vr system to be economic something that anyone could buy I don't see why that wouldn't be a bad idea. That would be great for accessibility, great for people who don't live in an area that's close to major shopping centers, great for people with disabilities, you know, but right now it's targeting such a, a small demographic that it's I, I have to disagree with you there. And I think Seth, I'll let Seth say his bit and I want to come I, back to that. I just want, I want to say VR will become cheaper. It's eventually, eventually, no, yeah. it's, it's not going to be that long. They're going to subsidize it though. Yeah. That's what's going to happen because there's, it's just like the Kindle fire. Do you know what the cheapest tablet available on in the market right now is the Amazon Kindle fire. Do you know why? Cause it brings you the Kindle store and the Amazon store to your hands. They don't care. Amazon doesn't care. They'll sell it to you at a loss. They'll say, right. here you go. Here's 10 bucks, whatever. Right. What are you going to do with it? You're going to buy Amazon products. You're going to see all their ads. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And you're going to see ads and you're going to buy their products. You want to watch Amazon Prime video on your Kindle Fire? You're going to pay for that. You want right. to buy a book? You're going to pay for that. You're going to play a video game on it? You're going to pay for it. Like they're going to do that with the, the, um, the, the VR equipment. They're going to say here, oh, you can get your meta 50 bucks. Here right. you go. Right. And, and it's and it's wired into it's hardwired into Alexa and it's hardwired into your uh, your fire TV and right. all that. Yes. Yes. And, and then just, you're just going to go into a company's ecosystem. So you put on your meta glasses, which will be cheap, and then you'll go through the meta world and you'll be able to only buy meta products. Well, right. because, yeah. well, because <laughs> you're the product exactly yeah. you, you are the product you and your metadata are the product yeah exactly. once facebook bought oculus it was already like that because yes. uh you had to have a facebook account to sign up for any oculus stuff like to, to effectively to run the oculus properly you needed a facebook account now before we start because i feel like this is going to go super negative on facebook and the <laughs> oculus i have one and I absolutely love it. All right. I'm not going to oh, lie. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're great, they're great it's, devices. It's, it's, <laughs> like, the device I'll... is amazing. I'm yeah, not going to lie. I, I have, I, I, there's nothing better than sticking a spoon into a zombie's face. That's all I got to say. Saints and Sinners is an awesome game. I, I don't, and I don't think this is going to be negative on Meta. Um, I, I think, or Facebook themselves. I think 
I I have negative opinions of Facebook's leadership. I don't think I don't I don't think yeah I don't I don't think but Meta it, is inherently a bad company. I I think their uh, leadership could use some work. So uh, it, and before going too off track, because I I, I like this conversation. It, the the if, if you look at because recently in history, uh, PlayStation or Sony just for some reason they bought Bungie. For oh, a yeah, ludicrous right, amount right. of money, which Microsoft yeah. sold. <laughs> Microsoft, yeah. Microsoft sold it to them. Said, yeah, all right. Like, Microsoft <laughs> said, "We don't need you anymore. Goodbye." And but <laughs> and so then Microsoft like, just bought Activision, Blizzard. Blizzard. Yeah. Uh, did they get THQ with them as well? No, THQ Nordic is owned by uh, a, a different uh, company. Okay. They did. So get, they, they, got was, a, they were they, they were bought by a weird. They were they did bought get, by a weird company. Uh, they did get King, which is the Candy Crush people. Yeah, uh, which is a that's a that's a, that's a lot of money. Like we laugh, but that's a good buy. <laughs> that was a wonderful buy on them, and yeah. it's, it's something in the the realm of like in the last ten years they've purchased seventeen big development studios yeah kind of thing. yeah um, and it's... one of them was one of them was bun- a bungee <laughs> right right later so um, so we... is the issue that that we have conceptually with meta or anything is it just the ubiquity and is it the the monopoly of of a single product controlling all of that infrastructure both in terms of hardware plus the product and and why and hardwiring you into a single experience you know because because you there's no cross station or cross platform sony and xbox live is is that kind of the issue that that facebook or meta would be controlling all this is that the issue they could there's there's nothing stopping them from doing that um one like i i mean i i will yeah me and i i me and meta i have like a lot of different negative like different thoughts about them but um i I think another voice your opinion please voice your opinion because that's why i brought you guys on here because this is do you see us being ready player one or is this you know it could uh, right or or ollie what is it wally's uh what was the 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 company shot like basically was making fun of walmart and now it's like if you look at it's amazon oh oh yeah 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 (laughs) i so i think so my opinion that is so there's there's actually a game called Tacoma oh. and this game is a a great um walking simulator game that is story driven and is very it's done by the people who did Gone Home which is a very pop, popular walking simulator game mm-hmm. um and Tacoma takes place on a space station and you have to figure out what happened on the space station you're the only person on there and you're going through like audio logs and trying to piece out the mystery and I won't spoil anything but they live in a world where all those people on that space station worked for a company and they were paid for by that company through the company loyalty points so they didn't make real currency That's but they crypto. were essentially You're talking a about wage slave <laughs> to that company now what if there was a digital currency that you could <laughs> interlace with your digital world and have people work digital jobs to make digital money through the metaverse I mean, that's a thing. It could it, happen. It happened in like Second Life to like, <laughs> like, but, but, but you have like NFTs, which are like non-fungal transactions, right? So you could buy digital goods with, and they would be exist in the metaverse. Yeah, with your digital currency that can all come from 
Facebook or Meta or whatever, whoever, yeah. whatever company, Amazon can make a, they could have a, Amazon can have a VR goggle tomorrow if they wanted. They have enough money that they could just, <laughs> here you go. This is ours. I mean, Jeff Bezos did pretty much just said, hey, one weekend I'm going out to space and spaceship. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> but but um, isn't, that, isn't that kind of Ready Player One? I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's totally. the Oasis, right? Yeah, that's the right, Oasis. right, exactly. So, so how far are we from either the Oasis or another experience you were talking about, you know, having VR and then going to Walmart to go shopping or going to a mall in Santa Cruz or whatever, that, that's surrogates. I don't know if you remember that movie with Bruce Willis. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but that, how far are we from that in terms of a gaming experience? It's, it's, mean, it, it, it's tough. Uh, like I can see us getting closer to uh, summer wars i don't know if uh, anyone's familiar with that that's a it's an anime but it's um from like it's it's by the guy who actually created digimon but it's like this idea of this digital world where at, not just a place for gaming but it's also a place where like healthcare systems are tied into and in government like infrastructure is getting tied into and stuff like that and something goes wrong in the movie and obviously bad things are going to happen if your government is tied to a video game. But when, when you look at like the, the use of the Oculus uh, potentially in places like um, I think NASA is using VR for, for stuff. You have the military using Oculus tech for stuff. It, it's starting to get there. <laughs> like we, we, we are starting to, to blend multiple facets of our world into you know, one piece of tech that's soon going to be owned by or is owned by one major company. So if, you know, if the military needs a bunch of Oculuses, Facebook's getting the, the, the bill for that. I, so. Well, yeah, they might. I mean, there's other companies that make VR equipment. Well, I just specifically mean Oculus, yeah. though. Like if, if, yeah. if, 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 because let's say for like hypothetically, like the government orders a bunch of meta, meta goggles in the future hospitals will order metal goggles everyone's going to order metal goggles that's like you know we we get to that ubiquitous of of potential ready player one uh it, it's certainly interesting i mean the mind boggles that's for sure uh, about how soon that would be okay yeah so i mean without because i feel like we went down this grim dark path with yeah. the vr nice. systems so I'm sitting here and like I, I will say I love VR. Like I'm, yeah, not, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to like bash like, VR. I think VR is the coolest darn thing in the world. So like I, I, think, I think we need to put Seth and time out wait. for for a minute with his negative ideas. No, but but that's no, I mean that's the logical extreme. Yeah, I mean that is that is the logical extreme of where it's going because right now VR is you play Beat Saber or you play you know Job Simulator. I don't know why anybody would want to play love VR Job Simulator. Simulator. It's so Such funny. It's so funny. <laughs> I have a job, so I don't know what I need to simulate it. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you know, the, it's it seems like what what are the the popular VR games are are, are shooters are are they sports games, uh, flight sims, or, or what's where is that right now, and where is it going next? Um, there definitely is a lot of, I mean, it, yeah, shooters, flight sims, stuff like that. Um, I I feel like the bigger thing that's starting to kind of come out of vr recently is where you get more of uh, adventure games like half-life alex which are more narrative stories versus games like job simulator or or uh, other type of simulator games where 
Like, for example, Job Simulator is a very fun game, but for the most part, you are confined to like one section while you're like doing stuff. Whereas in Half-Life Alex, you have a world to explore and wander around. Um, so as we kind of start to seamlessly do uh, games that are a bit more uh, open world in a VR sense, I think that's probably the next obvious progression. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a Skyrim style game, not like a mod of Skyrim that puts it in VR, but like a Half-Life Alex equivalent of they, an open they, world like Skyrim game. The Skyrim well, already has they, it. They, they already have, have it. They have Skyrim VR. And yeah, but like something that's a bit more on, like I think my understanding of the Skyrim VR is you still actually have to have a controller like um while you're playing if i'm not i might be no. mistaken no you don't okay i haven't you actually can do it you can do it you can actually do it like full-blown you nice. can connect your oculus to your computer if you have a yeah. skyrim vr on steam playstation 5 they have it with with the wands and everything yeah but i was actually going to bring that up is um i'm so glad you said that one and uh is like retro gaming in vr it, yeah it's it oh, it's out to there. Be a thing yeah. it's yeah like, you can do like, it yeah you can case, do it it's... case in point uh resident evil 4 uh skyrim uh what was another one i was just oh my god my son uh is obsessed with five nights of freddy oh, oh yeah yeah playing. five nights of freddy the original one that was on like your no. iphone 3 uh is now a vr game i take a poop <laughs> I, I, I did i pooped myself i i'm a grown man who's fought war and a mechanical digital bear scared the crap out of me as it yeah. looks over to my side yeah. and i'm like ah it's right there and then terrifying. it jumps at me oh no. dude i was I, I screamed like a five-year-old little girl it oh was... there's also um there's like um there's like an arcade simulator where you can actually load up roms into cabinets and you like walk into the arcade go to the like machine and just well, play like awesome. pac-man in vr yeah. on your cabinet <laughs> Didn't Namco do something like that for like a PlayStation like oh, two they, game? Oh, they might have. They might have a while yeah. back ago. Yeah, yeah. I, they, the one... they have one for the Sega too, uh, where yes, you sit yeah. in like a living room and you you have like a um, a shelf full of Sega games and you pull that well, cartridge off and put it in. Well, the one I'm thinking of is even cooler because it's run through uh, partially run through RetroArch, which is like a massive multi-system emulator, but it allows you to like do custom like floor for your arcade so if you want to have like the classic like 1980s ugly carpets on your arcade floor you can have that you can like i think you could create your own neon signs to go up behind like your marquees and you can put anything in there yeah um and there's also um it has like ski ball and bowling and like non-arcade games in the arcade that you're in because of course it would i mean like you know there'd be ski ball so and here's a claw machine yeah. And it, yeah. Here's an interesting thing. Everything you guys are saying uh, could easily be put into a virtual house in the metaverse. Sure. Very yeah. easily. Um, and, and I know we keep saying the metaverse uh, and it's come to my attention to think about it. Like there's people out there that probably aren't familiar or know what the metaverse is or as well as NFTs. Um, gentlemen, do you think you could educate our listeners on what the meta- metaverse is and Sure. All the um, details. Oh, I could. So I, I, I could take an NFT real quick. So an an NFT is a non fungal token, essentially. Fungible. Where fungible, non fungible, non fungal. <laughs> yeah. it, it, I it, like yours digital, better though. Like... It's digital, so there's no fungus either. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and it's it's a token. Essentially, is a digital record of your ownership of something. That uh, could be an art. It could be. Uh, really anything that could be in a digital uh, like a gif you can digitally own it it's a record and it says that you are the owner uh, you can buy it 
uh, and you can sell it. And it's funded, uh, it's powered by uh, Ethereum. So there's like Ether, which is Ethereum is a cryptocurrency and it's a, it's a coin on its own. Um, so they've like using portions of the Ethereum, they can make a product that you then can purchase using Ethereum. Um, and Zach, I don't know if you can describe it better than that, but that's my understanding of it. No, that's that's basically the... It's a uh, digital currency funded by a, a digital currency. It's a digital, digital product. product. It's a digital product funded, funded by, by a digital Funded currency. by digital yeah. currency. And there's yeah. a big... It, it, and it's not necessarily the product. What you're getting is effectively like the receipt, of, receipt the of the product. <laughs> so like, as an example, let's say you have an NFT of a picture of my face. You could easily just have a picture of my face like you could screenshot my face and have that picture but if you pay for the nft then you get a, a little receipt that just says this is yours now anyone could screenshot this and save it to their computer but you're the one with the receipt that says it's yours and and, and i know we're mocking it over here a little bit and it is, it is funny <laughs> it is it's like no it's it's totally crazy but people have made millions of dollars oh yeah, off yeah, of yeah, this, yeah which is yeah. mind-boggling like to think about yeah yeah it, it goes back to the hype and, the, and even back to our conversation regarding video game grading it, it you people are gonna if you hype it enough people are gonna sell it and it's going to draw interest and if you have enough buyers you can sell it for a lot of money it's yeah true and so how's, how's that different from crypto from bitcoin not, or really other crypto I, so the cryptocurrency it has an established value right so it's traded and its value is dictated by the market. Your NFT has a value similar to art. So an, it would be appraised differently. So like you're, you may have Ethereum could hit rock bottom and be worthless, but your NFT may have value still. So you could have it. So like if I bought, if I had a thousand dollars and also a painting by um, a reputable artist, if the something happened to the dollar, it got worth less because inflation happened and my thousand dollars wouldn't have as much buying power, but my painting by my reputable artist may increase in value, right? It may ride. It may not be, it may be inflation proof. So that's kind of your difference between your crypto, your currency and your NFTs where the currency kind of is dictated by the market at the point so, in time. So what actually value is, who backs the cryptocurrency? Because the market. It, okay, but but right. Then, but, right, but if, <laughs> if if I if I go if I go to if I go to the bank and I withdraw a hundred dollars, right. they give me a hundred dollar bill. They give me a piece of paper which everyone agrees is worth one hundred dollars. Correct. Theoretically, yes. that is backed by the United States government. Right. Correct. So, or if I go if I'm in Europe and I I go to the ATM and I get a, a hundred euros, I have a bill that's that everyone agrees is worth a hundred euros and so correct. On. Those fiat currency. So that currency is what it is based on the fiat of the sovereign nation. Right. So as long as I'm in the EU and I'm yes. spending euros, everyone yep. agrees that that bill that has the hundred and the, the the watermark on it, everyone agrees that that's worth a hundred euro, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. So with cryptocurrency, and I'll use Bitcoin just because it's sure the most well-known. So who's backing Bitcoin? And how does, did everyone just agree that, oh, we're going to agree that one Bitcoin is worth, I'm making up a number, $70,000. And sure. then it's traded, but there, there's no actual entity that backs that currency other than the market. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. There, there is an entity that has created it. 
Um, but and they can own multiple shares of it, right? But because there's the, the thing with Bitcoins and a lot of these, or especially the early cryptocurrency, is they have a market cap. There is a limited right. amount, uh, there's a finite number of them that exist. Uh, so the value of them would, it, by the laws of supply and demand, would go up when there's less of them. So as they're, they're harder to mine and they're harder to, and mining a uh, cryptocurrency is you have a computer that does uh, math essentially right. at a wall of code and may eventually release a, a, a portion of a coin. Um, and then that, that portion of that, that record, that code that you unearth is stays in like a storage somewhere, like a wallet. Um, then, so that's how new currency comes in similar to how it may be printed by the US government. Right. Uh, and then there is the, the market that will trade on it. Uh, there is one price, like Bitcoin is only worth say $37,000, but every single market says that it's $37,000. So if you buy on Coinbase or you buy on eToro, it's gonna be the same. You're paying the same price I'm paying. Um, and it's really set by the people who are selling it and who what the price is set by the market and so if if it decided to so i i have currencies right so i have multiple different coins if all of them decided to just tomorrow go kaput right somebody turned the servers off whatever some something catastrophic happened and they all lost value the emp blows uh, up I, the world <laughs> yeah, sure <laughs> sure whatever something happens uh i would lose money I, any money that I put into it is gone, but it's not dissimilar to buying a stock of a company. If right. you buy a stock of a, say, uh, Amazon, and then all of a sudden Amazon went bankrupt, you would not, they wouldn't pay you. <laughs> you would get yeah. zero money. You wouldn't be able to sell your share. No one would okay. want it. Yeah. And that's kind of how coins kind of exist, which is because you, you make a good point that they're who's who's saying what's their value and who's regulating it yeah no one <laughs> <laughs> which is a problem <laughs> because what can you do with it anything so if you if i wanted to because it's an established value right so it's the same amount of money usd as it is here as it is in australia and if I needed to buy, say, something illicit <laughs> and I needed to pay them, I could pay with it with via a blockchain yeah. and the cryptocurrency. And who would check on that? No one. There's no one regulating it. There's no serial numbers. There's no there's 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 a record of it. Right. So if they could figure out. That yeah, your, I your transferred. Wallet. They would there's a wallet. So they would see a wallet transaction. But and that's arguably cryptocurrency can be easier to launder than than oh, legit money like and, and you see that you see people who launder cryptocurrency because they'll buy illicit things and right. they don't want people to see that they buy the illicit things right. it's how the silk road made um because i'm <laughs> like where you could buy a hit on somebody if you wanted to and you'd pay with bitcoin and there you go and if they have enough intermediaries you can muddy the water real real like because you can have a transaction to transfer money to somebody is instantaneous where if you want to transfer dollars to somebody it's a process yeah, right like if i wanted to go to the bank and do a wire transfer there's still mechanical 
things that they have to to like EFT somebody something electronic funds transfer. There's still like switches that have to be manually pulled still in order to um, or is ACH. Well, and and, and regulators. Yeah. Right. And, right. and everything's serial. And I'm like, people know like exactly how many, what, what dollars and they could trace it back to the dollar bill and know exactly. And auditors. Yeah. Right. And, okay. Yeah. Now to answer Steve's question about what the metaverse is. <laughs> That's my boy, Zach. Because, That's my boy. Uh, Way to bring it back. <laughs> uh, the metaverse really is, and anyone can step in here and, and say whatever I think. I'll, it, for the most part, when I think I'm referring to the metaverse, I'm referring to the buzzword catch-all for a virtual environment, which like, for example, Second Life, which is old. I mean, it's from like 2003, but I would consider Second Life to be an example of what the metaverse could be. Uh, you can have a home in Second Life. Uh, you can uh, have a business in Second Life. You can go to the movies in Second Life. You can go to the arcade in Second Life. Uh, there was like an art exhibit run by like some random band like in Second Life for a period of time and they ran a server. Uh, you can sell property on Second Life like and make real money in Second Life. I, I'm not trying to like sell Second Life here, but I think Second Life is kind of the perfect example of what I think of when I think of metaverse. It's this virtual world that we have built where you can live a life in this in this world that is fully virtual you know you can have your home you can have your car you can be be who you want to be and it can be separate than the person sitting behind the computer or wearing the oculus and, and there, there's that's not even i love that example that's and that's a great example but a more current one that we could use uh yeah. eve oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. eve yeah. is, is like one of 100%. those games that like people literally build these ships they some of them just go from planet to asteroid or whatever and they mine something and they sell it and people are using real money to buy this virtual item and it's 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 that's a thing um but you know world of warcraft is another example people pay people to get gold and Mm -hmm. items i've I never did it, but I remember my friends like back in high school, back in or back in like 2005, 2006, paying people or being paid to go level up characters from like one to 10 and to get them the, through all the BS stuff. Yeah. There was a news story that came out back in World of Warcraft's heyday about the Chinese government actually having uh, people in jail mine gold and selling it for gold farmers for yeah gold farming for for a side job like like and the, it was go the money would go to the chinese government but like they would just like you could be in jail and they would just put you at your like a desk or you'd log into a world of warcraft account paid for by the chinese government but you would be mining gold all day that's I, insane and genius at the same time i i think though the eve is a great example of what happens yes, when yeah. it's unregulated yes. though because there was a player in Eve who decided that he was going to be the bank. That was his going to be his job. So he had the ability to write contracts in Eve. He had the ability to store people's ISK, which is their currency. Um, and he would, he would borrow. He would like he would he would collect money. He would store it. He would keep it safe. He would give loans out with an interest rate. And he just ran an Eve online bank. So here's the part where the unregulation comes in. One day he decided he didn't want to be a bank anymore. So he decided he was going to take all of the money that he collected from the hundreds of players and just buy the biggest starship that he could and tell everybody, guess what? 
I took all of your money and I bought this starship. Come get me. Yeah. And people, I think, lost somewhere in tunes of like I don't know, thousands of dollars was lost because he stole it. I, well, I he didn't steal. Like no they word. gave it. No, to he him. they gave it to him consensually. It to him. Yeah, it was a, a voluntary parting. Is what the <laughs> insurance company would say, but uh, yeah, and it was huge. Like it was a big, big scheme. Like it was, it was. I think twenty. I don't like early, mid to oh late two thousands. Um, but it was a thing. Like news, news companies reported on this guy just being like yep here it is i mean tech news companies not like but, uh, <laughs> channel 8 news has got a helicopter yeah. above his house so, yeah. so is the logical extreme of this i mean is is that ready player one or or free guy that that you know the free guy movie with ryan reynolds yeah, yeah. Is, is that kind of the logical extension of right. what you're talking about the the virtual world that people can live in um, yeah, I hope that it's more Free Guy than Ready Player One, because Ready Player One is kind of dystopic, where Free Guy is still like the people still have normal lives outside of the video <laughs> game. Yeah. I agree. Yes. Uh, so I would prefer like a Free Guy world. But yeah, I don't I don't see why we can't go there. Um, I And I don't see why it, it's going to get muddy in regards to um, ultimately who controls that world, right? because you're going to complicate things if you have multiple worlds to go into and you're going to have like the Amazon, like, are they going to come together and make one big world? Yeah. Um, which is, I think dangerous when you think Zach was saying earlier that when he thinks metaverse, he thinks of a virtual world, which okay. is, which is bad because you're now turning metaverse into the common noun. Kind of like how when you think of escalators, you think of the things that go up the stairs, right? You get on, those are, that's an Otis word, right? Escalator is a, a word that Otis said, these are escalators. This is our technology. Um, and we don't call them stair movers, like automatic stair movers. We call them escalators or band-aids, right? Band-aids is a, is a, uh, the right. band, like the it's the common noun or xerox for, right xerox yes. exactly so that's what's going to happen to the metaverse and it's going to be and I, and I believe that's going to happen partly because mark zuckerberg decided to rename his company meta right so he took the decision to be like i'm going to rebrand i'm going to call my company meta and we're going to start a metaverse and now people are like oh metaverse that's what i can refer to the virtual world and but now it's because he's rebranded himself, he's now kind of positioning himself to be the owner of the terminology. And if you're the owner of the terminology, you're already giving yourself a market advantage, right? If you go to the store, you're looking for Band-Aids. You're not looking for CVS adhesive strips, right? <laughs> <laughs> you yes. may buy CVS it's adhesive strips because it's right. cheap, but, but yeah. you're looking for Band-Aids. A Kleenex, same with a Kleenex or tissue. You know, like, so, so what's going to stop Zuckerberg... Or or Facebook or Meta, the company Meta, from is it from becoming the ubiquity of the Oasis in Ready Player One, for example? Uh, you know, because in, in MMOs, WoW is the largest. It's still the largest right. of the MMOs, yeah, but, yeah. but you still have choices. There are still other MMOs out there that people play. So it's fragmented. Some people play Secret World. Some people play Lord of the Rings. Some people play SOTOR or, or whatever else is still, still has active servers. Um, what happens when Amazon gets into the game? What happens? Because, you know, all of these companies that are buying up other companies, whether it's Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard, they're not, they're doing that to make money. And they're right. doing that. Yeah. Are they doing that to compete with Facebook? Is that, is that the, the, the play? I, I think they're, 
I think there's definitely positioning involved. I, I don't I don't know how. So like Microsoft is actually in a, a really good position to go up against Facebook in this marketplace because they have their uh, was it the Azure with the AWS equivalent oh, for um, Microsoft, right? I think yeah. it's like Azure or something. They're yeah. but they have space, a storage space to enough to sell to people. So they have the capacity of running larger servers that this would require. Um, same with Amazon because they have AWS. Because if Facebook decide, so Facebook better have a place that they're going to park their metaverse that's not on AWS because then AWS is going to be charging rent from <laughs> Facebook to have it on their servers because then they could just be like, no, we, we don't want you to have the metaverse on ours. And they can kick them off the platform because there has to be a place to physically park it. Um, and I, I think that we'll see, I think it's going to depend, I think we're at the, the point in time where we're either going to see a bunch of companies come out with various different type of metaverse worlds, or it's going to be a, just a flop and <laughs> we're going to move on with our lives. And it's going to be like, that's cool, but maybe like 3D gaming is better. Like having tailored virtual experiences is better, like going to the movies versus going to a fake movie theater. <laughs> it's like, I'd rather experience the content in virtual reality than go to a Walmart and shop. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'll just go to the Walmart if I'm going to go shopping. <laughs> like, I don't want to experience... I, as, as long as virtual reality is fun, why... What's fun in going to Walmart and shopping? I like I have like this thing like that like I have to like unpack before I go to Walmart where I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's like I gotta go spend whatever hours trying to avoid the rest of humanity. Like, why would I want to experience that virtually? <laughs> Here's the other thing too. It's interesting you should say that going to an actual shop because to counter. Yes, you, it's convenient to buy things on Amazon. And this is why we think they're the big bad beasts is they're killing businesses. Could the meta or the virtual world take out the, the, the small shop owners these or businesses in general? Because legitimately, all you're looking at when you look at, and, and I'm just going to keep using the meta, they, they got me, way to go Zuckerberg. <laughs> sure. uh, but uh, is, it's all you need is a warehouse. And then I have a virtual store that looks all fancy and has all these cute, adorable, yeah. whatever the heck I want to make it flashy and sellsy. But in reality, I have a brick and mortar warehouse out in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, that is just holding everything. And, you know, I have like three disgruntled employees. I, and that's all they need. I, and one of them is a security guard. I I think... Uh... I think the I think a warehouse is the cheapest part of that equation in order to be a successful online retailer. I think the the hurdle that you need to overcome is the last mile. So the 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 mile that it takes to go from the local whatever the location is closest to the consumer, usually like a post office, to the to the consumer itself. That last mile is the most expensive. And Amazon overcame it by having their own trucks right yeah, but it's, have... it's so the, the, I, I, okay, I, I see where you're going with this and I, I i don't agree with you because it's target's already doing it walmart's already doing it and they're using the usps right the united states postal service sure. is the dirt cheapest of all the companies yeah, out there 100%. It's, arguably arguably the cheapest and they've already had contracts set up with them 
what's to stop them from firing all their employees and just keeping warehouses and doing that meta? So I, so there's, so is, so the USPS will have to work <laughs> just for, them. the USPS has to work for whoever, right? That's the, that's the law. They work like, for the themselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, but they, if I go to the USPS yeah. by law, they have to deliver my package. Yes, <laughs> like, that's the yes. service. Uh, and so if I they have to try, they can't say go away. I love you. Not, they, they, yeah. They can't say, no, I'm not delivering your package. Right. right. They have to work for whoever hires them. And um, yes and no, but yes. Right. <laughs> yes and no and yes. Um, I feel like if, 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 if Facebook was, if Facebook was metaverse or Facebook bought metaverse or, or I'm sorry, if Amazon was metaverse or if Amazon bought metaverse, I would 100% agree that that would be a danger, right? Cause then you're bringing the, you're connecting the dot. You're making a virtual store where people can experience the Amazon ecosystem in their store and they already have the infrastructure that is able to get you the package the next day or within hours in cities in, in certain in, markets though yes in certain markets but still i, I most your two days pretty much everywhere yeah i agree yes um for meta to ramp up that amount of logistics it would be i mean i think they could do it it's going to cost them a pretty penny. And I think Meta would be happier in selling fake stuff that doesn't cost a dime to move. Okay, so Facebook... Like skins and like decorations for your... If they make a, a world where you have to buy a house and you have to put curtains on it and stuff like that, just do that. Then I, I agree with you there. Do anything. Yeah. Facebook will do that. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying companies, let's look at companies like Walmart and Facebook or uh, sure. Walmart and Target. All they have to do is, yes, I pay a fee to rent something on Meta. I have yeah. a, a store that you can go into, just like you said. And it's more glorious. to It's fun because you can pick up things and throw it around if you want to. But, but yeah, how I don't hard think it's going to take away that. I don't think that's going to take away from I think they're going to cannibalize themselves if they do that. So I don't think it's going to take away from the shopper who's going to go to the mom and pop store, because I think in today's day and age, you make a conscious decision to buy local. You hmm. don't you if you're going to go to Walmart, it, it doesn't matter if you're going to go in your in your if you're going to go regardless. Right. You're going you're, you're going to Walmart, whether hmm. it's virtually or in real life. So you're they're going to get the sale from you, whether you make the 15 minute drive or you plug in your uh, your headset and you buy you go to their metaverse equivalent and buy the product. You're just going to delay your purchase. Right. Because you're going to have to wait for shipping to get to you. But um but oh. it doesn't stop mom and pops from competing on that same scale, maybe warehousing a virtual mom and pop shop and being able to say like, hey, you know, I'm your local person based on your IP address logging in. I can target just you. So when you go to your Walmart in the metaverse, you walk by your local businesses like that's a possibility. And then that would perhaps take away from the bigger guys. If it's if it, that's, it could more of what I'm getting at is like it's easier for Walmart and it's easier for Target and companies like this and I, I the, for them to go I have a warehouse they already have the warehouse sure. they already have yeah, an yeah, establishment hundred yeah. percent it's it's easier for them to go okay you can buy everything like you are doing through Amazon and you're going to cut employees and cut jobs just to have that warehouse it's it's minimalizing 
minimalizing effort while maximizing profits to have a warehouse and just instead of going to a shop they're they're using their big box stores they're using they don't have a warehouse itself that they have it's a possibility also with employees it's could it could see happen Right, but like Seth was saying, there's still going to be some people who like to physically go to the store. Oh, sure, there's right. still people we still like paper or, books, or 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 that that I'm on my way home from work and I need milk, grapes, and Oreos, and I can either put in an, I can put in an order on this today, but it's not going to be delivered until tomorrow between two and three o'clock. But if I need it on the way home from work because my wife calls me and says, "Hey, by the way, on your way home from work, can you pick up milk, grapes, and Oreos?" I have to physically go to the store. So I don't know that, but, but like you were saying, the big box stores have that infrastructure already in place. And there's, and there's already stuff, but there's already stuff like Peapod. Uh, I don't know if that, uh, that's, that might be a new England thing, but there I is. I got that tonight. Oh, this, <laughs> yeah. there, there's companies out there that will deliver you your groceries. There's DoorDash. Well, there's DoorDash and, and yes, yes. Uber, Uber Eats, Eats. all that. Well, there's people, yeah. they, they'll deliver you all your food. There's nothing stopping from that, I, from being how meta. And, and, and I'm not trying to go like, oh, anti you know anti-meta like troglodyte no, but i'm yeah. just looking at it from another perspective like holy cow that could be crazy scary in a sense it, like you you're the, you are a service or a delivery boy right but so like so as i was because as we were talking about how meta the company would would need to seriously invest in the logistics of getting them to be able to deliver products to you target and Walmart, they may have the logistics side, but they don't have the technology side. At least, I mean, you've been to the Walmart's website. It's, it's. <laughs> I knew they're, 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 the not, they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not making their. They're not making their own virtual world tomorrow. Um, they would need to hire and staff and do that. Um, they would more likely rent or lease mm -hmm. from metaverse a space, exactly. and then metaverse would be able to build it out for them. But how is that? as that's not going to be as different as going to their website today like going to walmart.com is just going to be as similar as if anything it's just going to take the same sale and just dilute it so it's either i would either go to the traditional https website i would go to the virtual website in the metaverse or i would go to the physical store at some point in time my dollar is going to walmart and they're going to give me my product yeah. um so Where did the pandemic accelerate this or was it going that way anyway? Well, I think, I think the pandemic definitely allowed for some acceleration in the, um, the I'm trying to think of the best way to put it in, in terms of uh, like, for example, more people just bought VR sets during the pandemic. <laughs> so that's, that's one thing that we see. Yeah. I, I know, I know people too. I mean, like three or four of my friends bought VR sets during the pandemic. So the, the pandemic didn't naturally allow people to now have access to the technology that could potentially be targeting toward them. Uh, I think another thing the pandemic helped did is um, strengthen um, types of infrastructure of at least having work at home type of environments. Yes. Um, you know, um, the fact that we're doing this podcast on Zoom, I mean, that, <laughs> Zoom, I think, did very well during the pandemic. Um, but you, I think the pandemic did, did show people and kind of open the eyes of some businesses that a fully virtual experience in terms of, uh, of work, I mean, the fact that you can just work at home is right. something that's, that's viable. Um, whether or not it's going to 
last uh, is obviously up for <laughs> like we have to see time will tell. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a I think that's the one thing that I think that the metaverse can actually attack is so to Zach's point, you know, a lot of businesses sent their employees to work from home um, right. and they still haven't brought them back in many cases. Some of them have permanently moved them to home, LinkedIn. And um, I even believe Meta is all like you permanently yeah. home. You can come in if you want, whatever. Um, however, there is a big disconnect in the work tools that we have. We, a lot of businesses were not equipped to work from home. Yes. WebEx is very bad. You know, people weren't familiar with how to use WebEx or they were using Zoom. I feel like if you were a company, like if you were a vendor sending me a Zoom link, I was like, really? Like I were using like an in enterprise tool where like you're using this like free join my meeting tool. Like get out. You're like that's just and I think that there is a gap professionally in regards to what people want like management and executives want from a work from home experience and what management and executives like doing is they like seeing people working and right. in a virtual world, you could watch people work <laughs> and you know, you could see them signed in where their eyes are, where they're tracking, what they're looking at. And there is that, that will we go to a world where we put on our headsets eight hours a day and we do, we look at Excel, but except we look at Excel in a virtual world it's insane. Right. It's well, scary. I, right. Well, I work in that environment. I, I work for the Department of Veterans Affairs and I sit in front of a computer. And right. at the beginning of COVID, they sent everybody home. I am one of, I am the only idiot in my office who elected to return to the office because <laughs> I, because I despise the idea of working home, but right. that's how it's gone. And, but, and there's been no impact on productivity. Availability is up. There's no impact on quality. Worker satisfaction is up because people aren't having to drive 45 minutes in traffic every day. Mm -hmm. um, the only reason why they ever, the, why they want to, why the managers, you were just talking about this. The only reason why the managers want to bring people back in is control. Right. Because they need somebody to, they need something to manage. Um, I, I work for uh, a, a large pharmacy and they uh, sent us home and we have not gone back in i go in voluntarily because i live very close to my office so i don't i but i i do if i didn't want to i didn't i wouldn't have to um and i could see um the thing with my company though is that they own a lot of office spaces and what would be convenient for them is if they didn't have to pay the very expensive leases for the 14 buildings that they lease right. in one little block, let right. alone and nationwide or the 14 buildings that yes. they, I'm sure, cost some real estate dollars. At $12,000 per square foot per year. Yes. Oh, yes. And I'm yes. sure they would be more than happy to just be like, we don't want that anymore. Yes. And yes. the funny thing is, though, I worked for an insurance company uh probably about 10 years ago and it was like you know or 2010 whatever and they were sending people home and they were moving to a remote from a remote culture so there was people that were hybrid there were people that were full-time there were people in the office because they looked and they said we don't want to pay all these leases like we don't need people in the office if we can do the work and i think so they kind of early adopted to it. So I'm sure that company is actually probably faring better than the company that I work for today regards to being actually able to work from home uh, effectively. Because um, they were prepared. Got, 
exactly because they've been prepared um where my company has been like struggling for the last two years to get up to be prepared and uh, we did it quickly because we had to but to this they would still ideally want to bring us back in and we were supposed to go back in in january they were going to invite us all back in and then they said oh nope just kidding omicron all that just you're not coming back in we'll tell you come back in later and later is yet to come up um yeah so they would be the first my company if they could put me in a virtual suit to see how i'm working every day they'd be like yep we would love that (laughs) so we have been going for a little bit uh and and as much as i enjoy talking to you gentlemen i (laughs) i think this is a we should wrap this up so gentlemen uh, do you guys have any final thoughts on the metaverse, virtual reality, and the future? Uh, we didn't even get into really the future of gaming, but more of just well, talk about. <laughs> so I'm glad I brought on free the guys the future brothers. <laughs> <laughs> no, truly, uh, honestly, no. I love having you guys on. Truly, truly, truly. But we, we this is this is what happens. We get focused on one subject, and uh, honestly, uh, honestly, we metaverse is, it's a huge subject itself. It's, yeah. it's true. It yeah, is, it, it is. It is. It's new and scary and all the fun ways. Uh, I, but I mean, as kind of my, my last thought, I definitely think when it comes to something like the metaverse, from kind of just more of a joking perspective, I highly doubt we will see anything like the Oasis just because the fact that the Oasis could last as long as it did without any ads is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that is, that is so silly to believe that it's no. like a virtually free environment that has zero ads and no. all these IPs like battle toads and mortal combat and like Minecraft. That's yeah. silly. That is silly. The iron giant. Cool. Yes. The iron giant. Yes. Yeah. Dune, the, like it's cool. The, not likely <laughs> the, the I, metaverse I, will be built by advertisers <laughs> yes yes right and loot boxes the, don't forget the player boxes. is the, pro- the product the player right. is the product yeah and yeah, always has been all of and games. always will be there the unfortunate the sad the sad fact is that there is no guy that exists that's similar to i for what's his name the guy who invented the oasis oh um, um the, the actual kit guy's name yeah i forgot his name there's no but there's no idealistic version of Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg or even Elon Musk. There's no like guy who's able to create this that has like a pure like I I want to do what's best for the players. Nobody exists like that. You cannot tell me that one of the billionaires out there that would be able to pull this off exists that has this like I'm going to make a a wonderful place for players to exist. No, no. They're all after their dollars. They're all after the mighty dollar. It would be really cool. Very unlikely. (laughs) That's just my parting thoughts. The the closest to that is Bill Gates in his retirement. Yeah, but even him, I (laughs) it's not how he got there, but what he's done since he's left Microsoft, he's he's become this philanthropic machine as opposed to this vanity project of of building a spaceship to go into outer space for 25 seconds at a pop or whatever the hell it is. I mean, look at the age difference between Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos. Like that's true. Bill Gates is is he's trying to earn points in the afterlife right now, I think is what he's trying to do. (laughs) Or 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 atone for past sins. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Father, forgive me. Um, no, so gentlemen, where can our listeners find you? 
yeah uh you can find us at any uh place where podcasts are find found oh you can find us anywhere podcasts can be found um so uh you know itunes spotify amazon blah 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 um the metaverse we're there uh, <laughs> already of course you can find us though at our website classicgamingbrothers.com uh that's where you can uh find us and contact us if you need to Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. David, thank you so much for always being uh, my wonderful co-host. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. Um, As always, please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you listen to podcasts. If you are listening to us on Apple, please remember to rate and review. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, so please like and follow us at DNA Pod and on Twitter at NerdDNAPod and on our webpage, NerdDNAPod.com. I'm your host, Steve Pugh, and I've been joined by the wonderful, the amazing uh the conspiracy thinking uh classic gaming brothers Seth and, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> and my retro gamer david perry thank you television forever <laughs>